All right, so we are in John chapter 1 this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at John 1, verses 19 to 34. John 1, verses 19 to 34. I'm going to read the passage and then pray for our time together. John 1, 19 to 34 says this, And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across from the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel." And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent, him, sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity it is to come and to worship and to proclaim your truth, God. We thank you for your word and its faithfulness to speak to us and challenge us and encourage us and build us up. And pray that this morning, God, that your Holy Spirit would challenge and direct our hearts toward you, toward knowing what you have for us in this world and what you want us to do and to knowing more about who Jesus is and why he came. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So with this passage, the you know, question I wanted to ask is, why John? We've actually got two Johns here this morning. John, John. And John wrote the book, and we're talking about John the Baptist. There's lots of Johns going around. So really good question to ask today is, you know, why, why John, right? Um, we're in this study that we just started on John's gospel. And one of the things that John in his gospel has set out to accomplish is to persuade us and those who read the message that he has written that Jesus is the Christ and they believe and find eternal life in him. And so here in this second passage that we're looking at, we see John the Baptist come into the picture and, and often I feel like, at least before I studied John in, in more depth, uh, going through Luke, maybe a couple years back, you know, John the Baptist is sort of off the radar for me, not like a huge figure in my understanding of Christianity and, and all this. But as we go through this today, what you'll see is that uh, 
John the Baptist is like, you know, I mentioned this yesterday or last week, John the Baptist is a rock star. That's how I put it, right? Um, and he is. Like, John the Baptist is doing some serious work uh, back in the day before Jesus comes onto the scene in his ministry. And this passage really points out how significant the work that John the Baptist was doing and how impactful the words that he was saying were in the culture of the day. So first we're going to look at why, why John and who, who is John? What did he come for? And finally we're going to see uh, that he came really to point toward the Lamb of God, Jesus. So who is John? Verses 19 to 24, we see this, uh, that John has garnered such a following of people. So many people are coming out to be baptized by John and to hear his message of repentance and, uh, and to be challenged by him. This is a man who lives outside the city, like in the wilderness. Uh, we understand he eats like honey and locusts as a like regular diet. He's dressed in this really eccentric clothing. Um, and people are going out into the wilderness to hear this man speak and to be baptized by him. So many are going out from the cities to hear this man that the leadership of the Jewish faith actually come to him and ask him a question, a very important question that a Jew would ask at the time. Are you the Christ? I mean, John's ministry is so powerful that these people actually are wondering, are you the promised one that is to come, the Messiah, the one who will save us from, in their context, the oppression of the Romans um, and, and bring us into a new future as Israel? That's what they literally believe, that maybe, maybe this movement that is so huge that John is bringing is so huge that he is the Christ. So they ask him, are, are, you, are you the Christ? Verse 19. And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So they're, you know, confused because, you know, this following is large and growing. And, and it seems like, you know, it's got this uh, religious overtone and a call to repent and follow God. And, and so they're saying, okay, well, then are you Elijah? And he says, I am not. Elijah is uh, referred to in Malachi verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And this is what it says about uh, Elijah sort of coming back again. Okay, Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. And, uh, and when he, I guess, finished his time on earth, he was taken into heaven. He doesn't have a recorded death. Uh, he was just taken into heaven. And so it was thought that that meant that his ministry wasn't complete. And so in the end of uh, the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 4, 5 to 6, it says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So as they hear John speaking and hear what he's uh, telling people, they think, well, if he's not the Christ, then maybe he's Elijah. and He's like a precursor to the end. And so maybe he's Elijah. And he says, no, I'm, that's not me. I'm not Elijah either. I say, all right, well, you're not the Christ. You're not Elijah. Are you the prophet? The prophet is, uh, is one referred to way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18. 
It's revealed to Moses this, this truth. It says this in Deuteronomy 18, 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them all that I command him. There's this belief that one like Moses was going to come back. And, and in fact, the Samaritans of the day uh, who were looked down upon by the Jews because they're sort of a mixed race, um, they, they thought that the prophet was the Messiah figure. And so, so as they, the Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees that have come out to figure out who John is, say, well, maybe, maybe you're the prophet. No, not that either. Wrong again, three strikes, you know, you're out. So they go on and say this. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? The the leadership has has sent this uh, delegation out to John to figure out what are you telling our people and why are so many people coming to follow you and hear you and be immersed in water by you? He says this. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 3, uh, speaks these words, and it's the uh, prelude to a a long section of Isaiah where uh, we're talking about the exiles returning from Babylonian captivity. And at that time, this uh, statement by Isaiah was said to make straight the way that, that the people that have been taken away may come back to Jerusalem and come back into this place, make, uh, make the path straight for them. They, They might enter back in to the land. And so in a, in a small sense, it was, it was uh, fulfilled in their returning from exile, but in an ultimate sense, it's fulfilled here in Jesus' coming. John says, Behold, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He's not the Christ. He's not... Elijah, he's not the prophet. He is simply a voice making straight the way of the Lord. So that's who John is, and he's doing one thing, and he's really, I mean, his life at this point is focused on one thing, and that's baptizing people. And so the question comes up now, okay, so like you're not all these people, and you're you're this, okay, you're this voice, you're calling people, uh, you're, you're making straight the way. So they still have another question. Why are you baptizing? He gets into that in 25 to 28. It says this. They asked him, um, why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, that is, if you're not one of these apocalyptic figures that we were expecting, then why are you baptizing the people? Like, what is the purpose of this thing that you're doing? John says this, I I baptize with water, uh, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. John baptizes with water. And the, the baptism that, that he is giving is, is, again, one of repentance. And so uh, some background on that is this, that, 
Um, when, when someone would come and be immersed in water under John's baptism, what they were in effect saying was that, I repent, like I deserve judgment. Water itself is uh, in the Old Testament seen as a, a judgment symbol. And so you see uh, the water judgment of the flood, right? Judging all those who weren't on the ark. The ark saves Noah and his family through the flood. You see the, uh, uh, the, the Israelites come out of Egypt. And they walk through the Red Sea. The, the sea is parted for them, but comes in judgment down upon the Egyptians. It is a, it is a judgment symbol. And so when we're baptized, and especially as in John's uh, time, what they were saying was, hey, I repent. I deserve judgment, and it has rightfully come upon me. And it's a commitment to live in a holy life. So the movement that he is leading is so powerful because all these people are coming out and they're repenting and, and turning from their ways and, and wanting to walk right with the Lord. That's why this group wants to know, what, what are you doing here? Paul says, uh, John says, I baptize with water. And then he tells us a little bit more about that. He says, someone greater is among you. The strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. We sort of looking back at the passage and think about John the Baptist sort of like know that, you know, like if you've grown up in the Christian faith, you believe Jesus is the most important figure in the Bible. And so, you know, looking back at John the Baptist, you're like, oh yeah, of course he's unworthy to untie Jesus' sandal, right? But for John to say that again, I mean, these people thought he was the Christ, thought he was Elijah, thought he was the prophet. And he's saying, listen, this might be all powerful looking to you, but the one that is coming, I'm not worthy to be his servant. This is like an earth shattering thing for them to hear that from this man who has this huge following in the wilderness. (laughs) He says, someone greater is among you. I'm unworthy to untie his sandal. In verse 31, he speaks a little bit more about him and he says this, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. The purpose, the whole purpose in John's ministry is to reveal the Lord. That's why he says, that's why he embodies that statement from Isaiah, make straight the ways of the Lord. His whole role is to point people to Jesus, to reveal Jesus to Israel. Verse 29 to 34, we see Jesus then show up. Verse 29, it says, uh, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Some things already very quickly in in brief statement, right? Uh, The Lamb of God. This is the one that is to be slain. He's the one that takes away the sins of the world. 
At, at the very outset, John is proclaiming that the reason Jesus came is to take on the sins of the world. And that the nature of his taking on those sins was to be the Lamb of God. Not to be the king, necessarily, though he is king. Not to be some great prophet, though he is that. His first proclamation of seeing Jesus come is, Behold the Lamb of God. The one perfect sacrifice that will take away all our sin. The Lamb of God. Uh, verse 30, the amazing statement there as well. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Jesus' birth was after John the Baptist. Jesus' ministry was after John the Baptist. But Jesus himself came before John the Baptist. <laughs> He's eternal. He was from the beginning. As we looked at in, in the first passage in John, the word was with God, the word was God. Jesus has been with God from eternity past. Uh, Jesus was before John the Baptist even came onto the scene, even though his birth into this world and his ministry followed John the Baptist, he was before him. We shouldn't be quick to miss that point. It's important to remember as believers that one of the things we chiefly believe about Jesus is that he's in perfect unity with the Father. And he has been since eternity past and always has been. He takes away the sin of the world. He was before me. Finally, John reveals some things that were told him. You know, could you imagine being John the Baptist, right? Like, you're out there in the wilderness, the word of the Lord comes to you, and the Lord's like, okay, you need to start baptizing people in the wilderness at the Jordan. And you're like, okay, what do I need to tell them? Okay, just repent. You know, okay, all right, I can do that. Let's do that. And then this one statement is told to you, uh, verse 33, I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me, that is God, to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So all John has to go with in terms of his preparation for the way of the Lord is that, okay, there's going to be a guy and you're going to baptize him and the dove's going to come out of the sky and rest on this man. That's the one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's just like blow your mind. Like God asked you to do some crazy stuff. And John had no context for that. Like, God just told him, hey, a dove's going to come out of the sky. He's going to land on, on this man. And uh, that's the one that's going to you know, take up this ministry. Wow. So that's exactly what happens as, as Jesus comes. It's not explicit here, but explicit other times uh, that Jesus comes and says that he wants to be baptized by John. And John's like, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Like, I need what you've got, not the other way around. And, John, and Jesus says, we do this to fulfill all righteousness. Why does, uh, why does the dove come and land on Jesus? Why does it say, uh, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased? Why does God voice that when Jesus is baptized? It goes back to 
uh, what John's baptism was about. It's a confession that I deserve this judgment, right? I, that's what we deserve. We deserve to be dunked in the water and receive the judgment of the Lord. That's what we deserve. We deserve to say, yeah, I repent. I'm a sinner and I'm broken. When Jesus undergoes that baptism, that symbolism of I repent and, you know, this is the judgment of the Lord that I'm receiving upon me. When he comes up out of the water, God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit of the Lord rests on him. Why? Because he didn't deserve that judgment. He was perfect. And so from the outset of Jesus' ministry, at his baptism, it is seen that, okay, everyone else, Duncan, Duncan, you're dunking them, dunking them, dunking them. Nothing happens when they come out of the water. But then... Jesus comes and the Spirit of the Lord opens the sky and a dove comes down and rests on him and like this moment of glory exists there. Why? Because he didn't deserve the judgment. Everyone else affirmed, yes, you deserve this, this water judgment. When Jesus came, it, this is my son. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Finally, John says, And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. So go back to this question, Why John? Why John? I think it's pretty simple, really, and I won't, I won't belabor it because it's so simple. It's about knowing our role. About knowing what God has called us to do and accomplish in life. As, as believers, we can look to this story of John the Baptist and say, okay, I, all right, I know, I know who I am and what I'm supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? Make straight the ways of the Lord. That's it. Yeah, we don't save. I have no power to save one person. I have zero power to save anybody. I don't. I, I embody the ministry of John today, right? A voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the ways of the Lord. We make straight the way. That's all we do. We, we plant seed, we water seed, and we let God bring the growth in people's life. It's his job to come and renew a soul and show the glory to someone. We don't do the saving. Jesus does. So many times we take that burden upon ourselves like, okay, I got to like, I got to know all this stuff and I got to make sure I say this all right. And, you know, I got to make sure, you know, I'm you know, as perfect as I can be so like, you know, everyone sees the right picture and all this. We get hung up on like us needing to like save people with this. It's too much pressure for us. We can't bear that. All we have to do is love. <laughs> all we have to do is have a heart for people and make straight the way of the Lord with our coworkers and friends and people we meet, just share what has God done in you. It takes away all the pressure of it. God is the one that is doing the saving in this. 
And so we got to know our role. We got to know who we are and know what God has called us to do and know that we deserve the judgment. And so we're going we're gonna to mess this up from time to time. We're going to overstep. We're going to understep. And we're going to sidestep, you know? We're not going to be perfect. But grace upon grace upon grace is going to be there with us. Because God is the one that's saving in spite of our brokenness. Know our role. This also, um, your increase is given to make him known. Again, John the Baptist, he's a rock star. Okay, I mean, people are literally coming to him saying, are you the Messiah? <laughs> like, when I first sat with that for a little bit, I was like, wow, man, he was like seriously doing some stuff because you don't just like go ask a guy, hey, you know, I've been watching you for a while. You look like you might be the promised Messiah. <laughs> it's not a typical question. I mean, he literally probably felt the same sort of temptation, right? Like we see Jesus go through a temptation in the desert and the devil's like, hey, I'll give you all the land of the world. You know, I'll give you all this power. And Jesus rejects all that, you know? Um, I mean, it's powerful. I mean, he really felt those things emotionally and that was, that was powerful. But like John sort of felt that too. I mean, you know, people were coming around him like, like crazy. And then the leaders of the day send a delegation out to say, hey, you're the Christ. Like, I don't know, maybe I am. You know, like, you could probably, he could probably like sort of feel that a little bit in himself, you know? Like I could take, the, I could bear this mantle, but he, he knew he couldn't. He knew he couldn't. He knew that what God was doing in him wasn't for him. It never was. We see him sort of grapple with this too, like uh, later, uh, I believe it's even in our, in our passage or in our, in our study, um, John is sort of still baptizing and then Jesus is also baptizing and they come to John and they're like, um, you know, Jesus is baptizing, you, you know, like, are we supposed to be with him or like you? And, and John at that moment is sort of letting it go, you know, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. What was given and poured out to John was for him to give out and pour out to others. Your, your increase is given to make our Savior known. What God puts in you, it's not just to be kept in you. He doesn't, he doesn't take us through uh, any time in our life without purpose. He uses every moment of it and puts something in you through every experience that you go through. Not without purpose, but for a reason. To make him known. And we usually get it backwards. We think that the, the, the amazing, powerful experiences that we have are the ones that are going to be most known by God and used by God, right? But it's usually the ones that we're most broken in. <laughs> the ones where we had to like completely step out of the picture and, and realize that we have no power at all to make change in ourselves and then at that point of desperation had to say God I'm incapable 
please move in this place. It's in those moments that God is most powerful. So we need to know our role. We need to know that what is given to us is given that we might make him known. And finally, just remind ourselves of this truth. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. Jesus came to take away sin. The Son of God came to take away sin. And as as we understand it, God, who deserved zero punishment or judgment, came and, and took on a punishment for us that our sins might be wiped away. Power's dropping, man. There's no other place, it says. God came and lived as a man. Experienced life just like you experienced life. Experienced temptation just like you experienced temptation, but was without sin. And bore your sin. Those who confess and believe in him would have eternal life. Jesus came to take away sin. He is the Son of God. Uh, let us live lives that, that aren't pressured by saving, doing the saving, because Jesus has already done that. It's finished it on the cross. He's just working it out through us in amazing and beautiful ways. Walking us through experience after experience that we might make the Savior known. That we might look to the, the humble nature of the Lamb of God who stepped out of a throne in heaven and lived a life as a man, died on a cross for our sins. Rose again because he didn't deserve the judgment. He defeated death and the grave. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that when we deserved your judgment, you bore it for us. It, it is amazing grace that you would do that for us. Let us never lose sight of that, of how good that is, that we don't have to work to earn it in any way. that we don't have to live a perfect life because we can't. May we continually walk in the grace that you pour out on us day after day after day.
And God, may we know our role in that. May we understand that you are, you are using us for your glory. And may we be willing to let you use us to proclaim truth around us, to, uh, to walk in truth. God, to love in every situation you bring us into. God, we thank you that your sacrificial love is flowing through everything that you do. And we pray, God, that we would embody that ourselves. That we would lay ourselves down for our families, for our coworkers, for our friends. just as you laid your life down for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.